You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are you ready for some scalding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Misutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. That's not Jace Frederick on the other end. That's our friend Paul Hodawanik. Uh Jace couldn't be here tonight, but we're happy to have our friend Paul here. Um, Paul was actually down in Miami um, for purple insider podcast um covering for our friend matt collar over there paul how's it going down there in miami i heard it was hot today it, it's been all hot all week i escaped a little bit of, of work and enjoyed the the weather earlier this week and now doing some work now but it's been hot all week it sounds much better than it's up there in minnesota i, I think i missed the polar vortex by a little bit i'm not excited to come back tomorrow so yeah what a flex i mean that's <laughs> what better way to kind of prep for a Vikings game than to right. spend the week in Miami, the, the, the week it snows here in Minnesota. So yeah. yeah. What, um, all right, let's just jump into the game. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I guess against all odds, this team's five and one, Paul, I, 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 I laugh because each week I kind of digest a Vikings game. I'm like, is this team good? And, and that's kind of how I still feel about this team. We'll, we'll get into like the big picture look, you know, down the road, but, 24-16 win over the Miami Dolphins, their third-string quarterback, then their second-string quarterback, and, you know, whatever that was. But Vikings catching injury luck once again, stepping up in big moments once again, um, despite some play throughout the game that might leave a little to be desired. I guess what's your biggest takeaway from this one? Because there's a lot of, of roads we can go down. Vikings dominated for – got dominated for a large chunk of the game – um, yet when all, all was said and done, this, this was a pretty handy victory. Yeah. I mean, the dolphins had a 10 minute margin on time of possession. They ran 23 more plays. They outgained the Vikings 458 to 234. So you just look at the stats. You don't see the score. You expect this to be a dolphins win. And that's, I think what we've been saying, you guys have been saying, I've been saying the last few weeks is every time after one of these games that it's kind of that like breaking bad meme, like how have they gotten away with this again? Like, how does Mm -hmm. this keep happening? Um, And they continue to do it through opportunistic plays on defense. 
and finding just enough offense. And I think later on we can talk about if that model is sustainable. I have some questions about that. Um, But yeah, they're taking advantage of the luck that they've had. They haven't always done that in the past with Mike Zimmer teams, but they're 4-0 right now in one-score games. They didn't turn the ball over today. They have consistently been the team that's not getting penalized and shooting themselves in the foot, and their opponents continue to be the team that does. It's not like the Lions game where Dan Campbell makes a bad fourth down decision and that costs them a big chunk of the game. The Vikings aren't making those mistakes. And so generally when I think you look at a lot of the surrounding pieces and maybe the total statistics and say, what is going on here? I think you're seeing in some of the marginal ways they are doing well, and that has been able to keep them afloat, but it's been able to keep them afloat against Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. It's been able Mm -hmm. to keep them afloat against Andy Dalton and Jared Goff and first week Aaron Rodgers uh, with an all new receiving core and Justin Fields. Like it's going to get tougher from here. I don't know how much tougher, but they're going to play a Dallas Cowboys team. That's better. They're going to play a Buffalo bills team. That's better. The giants look much better. Like they're going to start to face some of these teams and they're going to have to be better than they were today because they were dominated for large stretches of the game. And if not for a couple of those turnovers, it may go a different way. I think if Skylar Thompson stays in the game, we saw enough through the first drive or two, Mm -hmm. he was going to make, a lot of things happen with his legs. Something different in this game could have happened maybe because of that, because we've seen the Vikings struggle with Jalen Hurts and seen them struggle with Justin Fields a little bit. Those quarterbacks then can get on the move. Teddy couldn't do that. He couldn't get around the pressure that was finally able to come today. And so I think all those different factors weigh in, but I generally come along with the same assessment. Like I'm not sure that they're good, but at this point I'm not sure it matters because per 538, they now have a 92% chance to make the playoffs. So it's becoming a math problem for keeping them out, even though a lot of times by their play, they look like maybe they're not a playoff team, but they just keep racking up these wins. And so after the game, like they're excited about the win, but they, I think more than any other week, they are starting to realize like we're getting away with a lot right now. And I don't know how much longer we can keep doing that. Yeah. You mentioned Paul, like 234 yards of, of total offense on the day, right? Like yeah. 53 of those yards came on a Dalvin cook run late, which we'll talk a little bit more about. Like he was kind of, he kind of did a good Adrian Peterson profession impression late (laughs) earlier, you know, today with the two yard run, one yard run, two yard run, 53 yard run. But like, let's go through the first, the first like four possessions of the game, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Then they put together a touchdown drive. Then they go three and out again. Then they kick a field goal before 10, three and outs, I think was the, for um, the, the full day. Like what, when you're watching at the, at the stadium, when you're diagnosing what's going on there, like, is it just rhythm? Is it like they can't establish the run? So the pass doesn't work. Is it Kirk feeling uncomfortable? Like what was your diagnosis today watching this yeah. offense, which we have seen probably a little bit too often for, for as much as we, we laud Kevin O'Connell for being this offensive mastermind, just kind of stall out at times. What, what was the problem today? I, I think today was maybe, the offensive line, which has been a bright spot throughout the season and the offensive line, I think, especially this leading up to this week. And even the week prior was getting some flowers. Mm-hmm. There was some, is Garrett Bradbury finding a rhythm again? Like, is he finding something he hasn't found again? And I think today was maybe a little bit of a wake up call when a Miami Dolphins team, which is known for having creative ways to pressure the passer. They may not always blitz. I mean, they blitz a ton. Uh, and even when they don't blitz, they look like they're going to blitz. They're moving. They're doing tons of stunts and things like that. And, the Vikings offensive line, especially the interior, 
struggled today. There were some just free rushers coming through the middle, which is a weird thing to see. Like you see him sometimes coming off the edge with miscommunications. You don't normally see him coming through the middle. This was not a good Garrett Bradbury game. And it, it is a good defensive line for the dolphins. But I think that was a big piece that like Kirk just didn't look comfortable in the pocket, which we've seen when there's pressure up the middle, we know what Kirk's going to do. He's going to struggle and he's probably going to check down and things aren't going to open up. And when Justin Jefferson is continually, this is another weekly thing when Justin Jefferson is the only one consistently getting open teams are doubling him they're even tripling him in certain spots and Kirk is either too late to move off that read or other guys just aren't getting free and so I think today especially it was just that front of the Dolphins causing the offensive line some confusion and putting the Vikings putting Kirk Cousins and that offense in a bad spot and then Kirk wasn't making that above and beyond play outside that one Justin Jefferson play, which they talked about post game was the look they finally got and they took mm-hmm. advantage. They weren't able to do that enough. And I think that was because O'Connell had to bring more people inside to continue to block. And he just had to be so concerned about the blocking that they weren't able to really game their, their like kind of, I don't know, like get the, get the game plan moving to the point where they are able to exploit things. They were just more on the defensive. They were more conservative and, it works when you're playing again, a team that doesn't have very good quarterback play. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll continue to work, but I think today it was the offensive line more than anything. Sure. Yeah. And I guess it wouldn't be an episode of inside purple and gold if, if I didn't somehow make this about Kirk cousins, but <laughs> yes, the offensive line was, was porous today. Um, looked like the offensive line of old. How much of this is on Kirk cousins though? Like I, I and I, I asked that like knowing I'm going to sound like a Kirk cousins hater, but we've, in the past talked about how this offensive line struggles and sometimes your offensive line is going to struggle. It's on the quarterback to, to see protections pre pre snap or to, to navigate the pocket a little bit better in, in, in your opinion today, can any of this be reflected on Kirk cousins or is this just an example of, you know, the offensive line getting dominated? No, Ed Ingram had a rough day out there. Um, a little bit of both maybe. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely a little bit of both. I don't think, I mean, saying that, interior pressure came doesn't excuse the fact that Kirk couldn't like work around interior pressure. Like Mm -hmm. all these things are pushes and pulls. And it comes back to the age old Kirk discussion of, is he going to go above and beyond? And really when the other parts around him aren't like playing really, really well, what can he do? And so I think there's definitely some on Kirk. I post game, they talked both O'Connell and cousins were not happy about the performance. Like you could tell they were happy that they were winning and they're happy that they were going into a buy, but they, O'Connell in particular was not, didn't seem super happy. Uh, he's putting on a good face, but he didn't seem like he was super happy about the way that the team played, particularly on offense. And so when the punter has to go out 10 times, like it's, it's, it's not just the play calling. It's not just the offensive line. Like it's Kirk too. Um, but both Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne had under two yards average of separation per route. That's way below league average. Justin Jefferson was above league average like he normally is but mm-hmm. those why if those wide receivers aren't separating if the offensive line's a little shoddy like again Kirk's just not going to come and make the play so I think you definitely have to look at that I think they came in with a conservative game plan they talked about that they wanted to be a little bit more conservative because of the fronts that they knew they were going to get and I think maybe then Kirk isn't taking the shots that when you have Justin Jefferson are, are probably gonna are better than 50 50 balls like they're 60 40 they're 70 30 with Justin Jefferson and so yeah, I don't think Kirk is ever without, without blame. I think constantly, like, he's a part of that missing piece that isn't, like, they just never get everything to click 
in in succession. And so, yeah, I think Kirk deserves some blame, not all of the blame today, uh, particularly because of the way that the offensive line struggled. Um, but, it, and, and like they started, at, they had great field position and so many opportunities and just kind of gave it away. And so none of that's inexcusable, but the, the run, the run offense wasn't good either. They had a 15% success rate. So that's like, when you talk about the 50 yard run, that kind of makes the yards per carry look a lot better than it was. Success mm-hmm. rate just tells you, was this play a success or not? And only 15% of their run plays were a success. Like that's not a sustainable model. And that continually is not going to be a sustainable a sustainable model, especially if they're not pass blocking, because then you're in third and nines constantly. And then that's when Kirk becomes, I'm going to check this down for four yards, or I'm, I'm not going to push the ball. Like it's when he's in those backed up situations and doesn't want to take a sack, doesn't want to turn the ball over. So it all meshes together. But Kirk, again, is, is never without blame, but more than more so than other games, I wouldn't put this solely on him. Sure. Yeah. You, you mentioned, you know, how he, him and O'Connell talked after the game. It, it is interesting to me, like, it's easier to learn after wins than after losses. But something I have appreciated about Kevin O'Connell is how he's kind of seemed to unlock some sort of like sense of accountability in Kirk, because there's so many times in the past three or four years now where they have a bad game, but they come out with the win. Kirk Cousins is talking about how each thing is its own entity. He's not taking, you know, accountability for that. The fact that the offense has struggled, And while he still tends to do that, tends to deflect at times, I've seen a sense of accountability out of him this year. Maybe it's just that he feels more comfortable with the coach around him. Maybe he's not looking over his shoulder, knowing Kevin O'Connell at least isn't going to go roast him and grill him to, you know, publicly. Who knows how he actually feels about him. But like Mike Zimmer had no problem making it be known that Kirk Cousins was not his guy. Kevin O'Connell has come, you know, gone to bat for Kirk Cousins every chance he's gotten. Right. And I think that's something that that we I just continuously see. When teams look bad and win games, a lot of times in the NFL, like coaches will come out and whatever reporter is asking the question will just kind of bully that reporter. You know, no, you know, we won the game, blah, blah, blah. What are you talking about? You don't know football. Both of these guys right now have have come out and said, like, this isn't good enough. It's not good enough. And right. And I think that is something that's a little underrated about this season to this point is just like seeing Kirk take some accountability. I think at the end of the day, he's still Kirk. Like there's still like layers of that that I don't think he'll ever shed. But I I don't know. Like I think it's just interesting to hear comments like he had today where, you know, we know we have to be better. It's just not something I think we heard as as forthcoming in the past. Yeah. And it it happened like in today's presser. I forget who asked him. Um, But basically it was just like you were, you were animated with O'Connell on the sideline. Yeah. Like I'm sure I didn't see that a ton, but it sounded like on the broadcast, they showed a couple times where they were in some sort of, I don't know if it was heated argument or just like passion, passionate, like trying to figure out what's going mm-hmm. wrong. And I think in past years, Kirk would have deflected that question and not even tried to answer it, but he kind of went straight in and was like, yeah, no, we needed to have those conversations. Like sometimes we weren't executing the plays and sometimes the plays weren't setting up what we needed to like, he was kind of taking accountability, pushing it back, like doing this, like it were kind of like all on this together. And I don't think you would have heard him say, I really want to be coached hard. And Kevin, like we have this really great relationship in previous years that just wasn't the vibe that they have. And so I think it's certainly that way with O'Connell and they're both able to kind of hold each other and themselves accountable, at least within the media. And it seems like they're doing that both on the field. We're seeing that. And so I think that can only help an offense because again, I think cousins talked about it today. Like, 
he was trying to stay true to the game plan and maybe at some point you want to go a little bit away from the game plan and take a risk or two, but he was confident that it was going to come at some point. And so we didn't see Kirk throw a bad pass that ended in a turnover or really try to extend a play and fumble. Like they were three and out and three and out, but then the play calling clicked and they had the one drive that they looked really, really good on. And so I think there's some give and take a push and pull there, but I don't know if you necessarily have that drive. If it feels like your head coach is pressuring down on you and like, it feels like something would have been forced or people just kind of start to tune it out. Like they seem a little bit more on page and are kind of like on the same page together. And so I think that is in no small part helping them in this five and one start. I don't think it's all of it. I think some of it just comes down to variance and luck, but I think you can't like, you can't deny that they seem to have a better relationship and at least outwardly facing towards the rest of the world, they seem happier. And I think that is helping them once they are playing. For sure. For sure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we'll we'll break there. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the defense, a lot of bit about the defense. Um, only 16 points allowed, but ugh, did not look too good. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. That's Paul Hodawanik on the other end, filling in for our guy, Jace Frederick. Please subscribe, like, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, just so it's not showing up to your phone. You know, right after we're done with this, our, our awesome producer, Spencer, will be posting this. Apple, Spotify, I think we're working on Google Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcast, we'll be there soon. Um, send us a review. Rate us if you're going to rate five stars. We have got one star review. We have one one star review on Apple. Oh, on Apple, I don't know on. what's going on there. Um, anyway, we'll we'll jump right back into the game talk. Twenty four sixteen win. Vikings defeat the Dolphins. Improve to five and one on the season. 16 points. You look at the just the store the scoreboard and you say, Oh wow, the defense had a pretty good game. Then you remember the fact that the defense started playing against Skylar Thompson, third string, technically, I guess second string, because he he unseated Teddy, who got maybe injured l- last week. And then Skylar Thompson gets knocked out of the game. Teddy's playing. You still think, oh, they only allowed 16 points, and then you dig a little deeper and realize, like we talked about in segment one, allowing 458. Not good. Paul, is this another example of the bend don't break Ed Donatel defense in a, in effect? Or is I mean, it an issue that like they need to realize like we're not going to keep winning games if we give up damn near 500 yards of total offense? I mean, if this isn't the bend don't break, I don't I don't know what is. I don't know how to <laughs> characterize it if this isn't it. I mean, it 458 yards, both Tyreek and Jalen have big games statistic but if you look at the statistics. Mm-hmm. Uh so I think it's like simultaneously not something that can sustain like over time, because just generally the more yards a team's going to get, like they're going to generate more points. They're not going to have five penalties in one uh, possession that completely kicks them out of field goal position. Their third string quarter. There's not always going to be a third string quarterback to get sacked on third and down when he can't get sacked on third and down. And then that moves them outside of field goal range. Like those are the things that aren't going to happen every week. Those are things that happen this week. And 
probably won't continue. And so those that probably results in more points on the board. If all those penalties don't happen, like they were rolling on that drive. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they score a touchdown and this looks a lot different. So I don't, Ben don't break style is inherently not super sustainable. If you don't have top tier talent, which I don't think even the most ardent of Vikings fans would say this defense is littered with top tier talent everywhere. They've got some good spots, uh, but they have some big holes too. And so you see that today when Tyreek and Jalen are consistently open down the field. Now that does play into their, the kind of the hands that they've been dealt. And I think part of that is really just the roster construction. Like they don't have the talent necessary to just man up on guys and blitz them all the time because they're just going to get burned and they've decided that's not the way that they're going to play. And so this is the way that they're going to play and they're going to force them to go 10 plays down the field and force them not to get penalties that hurt themselves and force them not to take sacks that really hurt themselves. And so today it worked, but it worked against a third string quarterback and it worked against a team that was really undisciplined. And so it's again, something we keep talking about every week. Like when will this come up and bite them? I think Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins coming back and Marquise Brown. I think when Dak Prescott's back with the Cowboys, they're going to be rolling. The bills are rolling. Like I think sometimes that's going to come up for them. But I think today was just another example of the way that this defense is probably going to have to play all season. They're going to be relying on turnovers because they just don't have the bodies playing and play out to be really, really good. Like the pressure got going today because they faced an absolutely atrocious offensive line. Like their left tackle, uh, Liam or left guard, Liam Eikenberg and their left tackle, Greg Little ranked second to last and dead last in PFF grade coming into the week. Like, that's how you generate a lot of pressure is when the other guys are really, really bad. So if they got pressure, but if they didn't get pressure today, I would have had serious question marks about the defensive line. So I think generally they did what they were supposed to do, but I think this is just another example of the way that they're going to continue to play and it's going to work against some teams and it's not going to work against other teams. And it's why the offense has to get clicking when it doesn't work. But today it worked enough and the offense was able to do enough. So the defense, they were happy about their performance after the game, three turnovers. That's a really good sign too. But all these things aren't super sustainable. Um, it's just when will it come to bite them? Because it hasn't come yet. And at some point, like it may just not hurt them enough, at least to the point where they're in the playoffs. Once you get to the playoffs and you play really good teams, it probably is going to hurt you. But mm-hmm. today it just came down to they didn't have a quarterback that was really, really going to burn them. And so they were able to pressure them and they were able to just play way back, knowing that they weren't going to get beat super far down the field and just kind of let the Dolphins make the next mistake. And they did today. Sure. I want to talk about the misnomers about Ed Donatel's defense in a second, but I I also, before we get there, like side tangent, you mentioned the pass rush, like take me through that moment in the locker room post game. like, were you down there when, when, with uh, Zadarius Smith, Daniel Hunter and Patrick Jones, like they were pimping their five sack performance, but like maybe a little, like I understand celebrating a good performance, seems a little overwrought to me when, when you look yeah. about who they're actually going. With. Right. I wasn't going to tell them that that was who they were going against. Uh, Cause they don't <laughs> want to hear that. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're, they were feeling themselves. They're five and one going into the bye. That's probably the best the defense has looked at least since week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't care that it was Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater. I think if you, you know, shot them with truth serum, uh, they might feel a little bit differently, but they're coming off again, turning them over late in the game. Zedarius and Daniil finally get going after some tough performances early in the year against some good offensive lines. Finally, they get a chance. I'm sure their eyes were really big when they saw who they were going up against. So I don't Mm -hmm. fault them for being really happy and pimping it. I just would say this performance is probably not indicative of what it's going to look like when they play playoff 
caliber offensive lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the Dolphins, this isn't the Dolphins when they're healthy can be, but they're missing Teron Armstead. They're missing, I think, two other starters from previous parts of the year. So this is just a really banged up unit. Uh, so yeah, they were, they were certainly pimping it um, and full credit to them, like enjoy it. Uh, but I'm sure they understand that this was not the best unit they're going to go against. And so they just relished the fact that they were able to take advantage of it. Yeah. I, I guess at some point you got to celebrate the the little victories, especially when the defense and the pass rush in particular has looked very, very ineffective to this point in the season. You mentioned when you were talking about the game, like, this is just how the Vikings are going to have to win with personnel on the defensive side right. of the ball. That's true. Like you look at who, like what this, these receivers did to the Vikings today with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Like it's not all too different than how this, the, the season has gone to this point. And fans on Twitter will say like, well, of course this is how, you know, it's going to go when you're playing a shell coverage and you're just letting you're giving up the, the, the 10 yard route over the middle and the run after the catch. That's how they have to play because what do you want them to do? Go press man against Tyreek Hill? Like, right. like Shannon Sullivan was on Tyreek a lot today, and that's not say anything bad about Shannon Sullivan, but he's just a he's you know he's he's bumping or he bumps around as just a league average slot guy. Like you're mm-hmm. going up against maybe the best wide receiver in the game. Like that's a mismatch every single time. Yeah, so you have to do these things. You have to make offenses be patient. You see it a lot now with how defenses play. Guys like Patrick Mahomes, guys like Josh Allen, like just make the quarterback get bored. And and hopefully they'll they'll Patrick Mahomes is a perfect example of that. Like if if he gets kind of bored in the pocket and he doesn't want to do these 10 play, 15 play drives, he wants to take the shot. And Tyreek Hill's not there anymore. But like that's what Patrick Mahomes wants to do. And it it seems like that's in a perfect world for the Vikings. If the personnel was was great. I'm sure they would have some flexibility to 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 do and and look a little bit more multiple, but they don't. So right now they're just play, preying on the fact that like we're gonna play this quarterback, whoever it might be. Hopefully it's it's a second string or third string quarterback, like it's been a couple of times this year, and we're gonna take our chances that they're gonna get bored or they're gonna make a mistake. And to, to the Vikings' credit, today it worked. Um, Harrison Smith just a, a circus interception. Um, but then, you know, the biggest play of the game to me, Harrison Smith forces a fumble. Jalen Waddle catches the ball over the middle, has a, a sure first down. Harrison Smith comes in, forces a fumble, can't bind him, hops on it. And that's basically the ball game. Like, yeah. that can work. That style of defense can work, and, and it did work today. I just don't know if it works against really, really good teams or teams that are at full strength. And I think that's important to point out because now that they're 5-1, and one, like, the standard gets gets raised for this Vikings team because before it was like, maybe you have a 50, 50 shot to make the playoffs right now. They have like over a 90% shot to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So now you have to have more scrutiny on this team because now there needs to be a thought of, we can win the division. There needs to be a thought of we're close to a first round buy. And so that's why like we're critical of it is because you've now put your spot in your, you've put your team in a spot where you need to be critical because you've now opened the door for these bigger possibilities mm-hmm. for your team. And so yeah, the defense is kind of playing the modern co- cover two shell and it, it, and it's working in a certain sense in terms of, you know, keeping points off the board. The point I think is I'm always kind of gearing up for how is it going to look against a really good team that's firing on all cylinders, because that's now where we need to think about, we need to think about how is it going to look against the Eagles when they play them again or against the Cowboys or against the Rams or whoever comes out of that division. And so against those teams, if they have their offenses working, right? Like, they will be patient and they will take those things and they will just kind of 
slowly beat you to death. And so I think the the Dolphins were kind of on their way to doing it. And it's something the Dolphins did like earlier in the season against the Ravens when they came on that massive Mm -hmm. fourth quarter comeback, or even the week later when they went and beat the Bills. It's, you know, most teams talk about running the ball and physically kind of just wearing you down. The way that the Dolphins do it is they just send Tyreek Hill down the field 50 yards like every single time. Uh, and then Tyreek comes out of the game and then they put in another fast guy who just runs 50 yards down the field. But you know who doesn't come down out of the game? Chandon Sullivan doesn't come out of the game. Yeah. And Patrick Peterson doesn't come out of the game. And Cameron Dancer doesn't come out of the game. So every every dang play, they're running 50 yards down the field. So then at the end of the game, and you saw it on that last drive, you're getting gassed and you've been on the field 10 minutes more than the than like you've been on the field 35 minutes compared to 25 minutes for the other defense. You've gone against the Dolphins defense or offense like 23 more plays, I think it was. And you're just getting tired because it's Waddle and it's Hill and it's every play you're worried about if they get behind me, like it's a wrap. And so you were seeing towards the end of that game, Tyreek Hill is getting so much cushion and catching the ball because they are gassed and they are just trying not to get beat deep. And they are just like, and especially in Miami, the sidelines 120 degrees Mm -hmm. or whatever, like all of these factors lines up for, we're going to come back on you and win this game late. And so they're driving. I'm thinking that's what's going to happen. The Vikings offense is going to get the ball. They've already gone out three and out like 80% of the drives. I guess just <laughs> again, and they're going to do this. They're going to do what they did to Baltimore. And the difference is that turnover. And so huh. that's what they're relying on. They're relying on winning the turnover battle. And they have been good at generating, obviously, the Cam Dantzler rip from last week. And then this Harrison Smith twice coming in in big plays. So Again, it worked for him today, and I I really thought it was that the Dolphins were kind of getting the Vikings in the spot where they wanted to, even though they didn't have two. Teddy was able to do enough. He's a solid enough passer to be able to exploit those things. I thought that was what was going to happen, but that turnover just changes a lot of things, and it changes the game potentially, and they and they win again. But I think these are those fine margins that the Vikings are living on, especially on defense. And right now they're going their way, and maybe they continue to go their way, like the Dallas Cowboys last year were just turnover machines. For a season, teams can do that. Uh, I'm just not sure. It's just not a sustainable thing to bet on time in and time again. They 100% lose that game if Jalen Waddle doesn't fumble that ball. There's no doubt about it. Like you said, like you could. That's a great point you're making. Like, like Mike McDaniel and this offense, they literally just sometimes say, "Tyreek run 50 yards straight, Jalen on the other side run 50 yards straight. Let's tire these guys out, and then we'll play offense later." That's what they're doing. It's it was working. And you saw it, like you said, with the chunk plays, especially the Tyree kill late in the game. They're marching down the field at that point. If, if that's a first down, if that's not a forced fumble, they go score a touchdown. And then I guess like where maybe we're talking about another Kirk Cousins, like come back in the fourth quarter. Yeah. We didn't need to talk about that because of that forced fumble. And then we hinted at it a little bit in segment one. Dalvin Cook finally pops his the big one. Um it had to be a big play as far as I'm concerned. Cause like you said, they were three and out on basically 80% of their drives. So after they forced the fumble, Dalvin cook gained six yards, next play 54, three yards to the house. Uh, looked like he was going to get caught. He managed to hold them down and, and, and get in the end zone. I think like five minutes from where he grew up, which is pretty cool wrinkle, mm-hmm. but like that was such a big play because if, if, and the Vikings so many times in the second half had really good field position, squandered it with penalties or just ineffective offense. Dalvin cook, Pops that, and, and the game is literally over at that point. Um, huge, huge swing going from that fumble to that that huge Dalvin Cook run. Right. And it's, again, it's 
it is those small things that has helped them do the it's it's the not sloppy play it's like two weeks in a row they've been able to just rip a ball out of the hands of a yeah. of an offensive player and so that's good coaching going for the ball like making sure your players know that they need to go for the ball in those situations and executing part of that is Miami, what are you doing? Like Jalen Waddle, you're good enough to know you got to secure this thing. Like this right. is important. Like same thing last week uh, with Amir Smith Marset. Maybe he doesn't know better, but you got to like not let that happen. Like those are the things the Vikings the Vikings are feasting over. It's feast or famine, and it's it's what's happening at the moment. But yeah, I I think completely like that the momentum shifts if Waddle just goes down there. I think they're at like the ten yard line, twenty yard line, something like that. They were mm-hmm. close in, and it's it becomes a whole new ball game. Like, uh, like, and they, they get away with it there. Um, and so it, I mean, and you can frame it either way. You can say they got away with it or they made the big play. It's just kind of how you want to look at it and how you maybe kind of view this team. Uh, but they're showing week in and week out. They're been able to generate them. It's just whether it'll continue. Sure. If they're five and one. And, and, and when we come back, we'll talk more about that. Like, what does this actually mean? They're five and one. Um, I, 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 I guess we have to kind of accept it at a certain point that they're a pretty good football team. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. If you've gotten to this point in the podcast, we're in minute like 31. You know that's Paul Hodewanik on the other end. Um, he's joining us from Miami. Uh, he was on hand for the 24-16 victory today for the Vikings. If you're listening to this and you like it, please like, subscribe, rate, review, whatever you got to do. Um, Apple. Spotify. We're on Google Podcast now. Our, our producer Spencer has has, has let me know. Um, so it, it just join us for this ride. It's it's been a roller coaster, but they are five and one. Paul, they're heading into the bye this week. Had you told me the Vikings were going to be five and one at the six weeks ago, heading into their bye, I wouldn't have believed you. First of all, but if you would have told me that, I would have said, "Wow, everything must be clicking. They must look really, really good." Kevin O'Connell is just a, a, the best coach on earth. It's really neither. Like, you know, they are five and one. I don't know if they're good. I don't know. I, I know they're not bad, but yeah. like, what what do you take away from like this, this month and a half? It, is this team for real? Is this way of winning sustainable? And is this a team that we can look at it at certain point, say like the NFC is not very good. Like maybe they are just contenders in, in, in a flat year for the NFL. I mean, I think, you need to look at it. Uh, it's becoming a math problem not to. Uh, I referenced it earlier, but per 538, as of right now, as we're talking, they have a 91% chance to make the playoffs. They have an 83% chance to win the division now that they have a two-game lead over Green Bay with the tiebreaker. They have an 11% chance to get the first-round bye. Like, that's the third highest in the league behind the Eagles and the Cowboys, and neither those teams are going to cannibalize themselves in that division with the mm-hmm. Giants, too. Like, you're in a really, really good spot and the Packers just lost to the Jets and I wasn't able to watch that game. So I don't know how it looked, but just registering for my Twitter feed and checking the box score, like the Packers look like they're a mess right now. So you could even say like, I don't know necessarily if this team's good, but it may not matter for a while uh, because they continue to play. They're going to continue to play flawed opponents. They're going to play the Cardinals after the bye with Cliff Kingsbury and uh, just everything that they have going on with that whole drama. The last time I checked, they were down to this Seahawks. I don't know if they that lost game. Like, they lost. It's 19 okay. to nine. They're okay. a disaster. So they've lost that game. Like now some of the teams that they're going to play are going to look a little bit better. Like the giants look much better than they were before. The Patriots look like they have life. The Cowboys 
now that they have Dak back, could be really good. Like the Jets have some life. So now some of the opponents that we thought were going to be easier, maybe a little bit harder, but I also think there's still a lot of flawed teams that they're going to have coming up. So it's tricky because each week I feel like I come on here and say it's not sustainable. And then each week they continue to do it in an unsustainable way, at least how we traditionally view sustainability. Um, And so I'm going to continue to go back to that and say, they have to come back to earth a little bit. Like they're not, you can't rely on being perfect in one score games. They're now four and oh in one score games. They were six and eight last year. So that's like kind of around average of how these things go. And just laughing at the fact that they had 14 one score games last year. So that probably won't happen again, but like you're not going to be perfect in those situations. So you're going to regress a little bit there. And you, one of those, like that double doink, maybe doesn't double doink and maybe the saints win that game. Or like some of these things are just going to change. And so I thought it was illuminating. Kirk said after the game, like this is kind of the exact opposite of how we felt last year. He said last year we started out poorly and I felt like every game I was coming and talking to the media and saying, we played really well. We just didn't win. And I don't know really what's going on. And today he said, like, I feel like after all these games, I'm like, we won. So it's easier to have these difficult conversations, but we're not playing well. And so I think that's where it kind of crystallizes is like the team from last year and the team from this year aren't that much different, like holistically, like Kirk even kind of hinted at, I thought we may be playing better last year and they just weren't getting the results. And so I think that tells you enough to say this team understands that five and one may be a slight fallacy in the way we think of five and one in, of this dominant team. Like they understand they need to get better and that's very clear to them. And I think it's clear to everyone that they need to get better. So it's not a thing where we're screaming at them, but they say, no, everything's going to plan. Like they understand they can't have 10, three and outs. Like they understand those things can't happen. So I think they understand it and they understand it's not a sustainable way. It's just every week I come on here and say, yeah, it's not sustainable. And they continue to do it. So I don't know when that dam's going to break, but it feels like it will break at some point. It's just then how much water do you let flow through before you patch it up again? Like what can you do, but you've put yourself in a position at five and one, two games ahead of green Bay, where you have time to patch those things up. If those, if that stuff comes towards you. And if it doesn't, you're just going to keep racking up these wins and you're going to, it's going to become a math problem at some point. If you're eight Mm -hmm. and two, like, you'd have to have a monumental collapse not to make the playoffs and not to win the division. And they're, they're just chugging along while other teams are shooting themselves in the foot. The Packers are losing to the jets and giants in back-to-back weeks. Like the Vikings for all we can harp on them for doing things wrong. Like they went to London and won a game they could have lost. They beat the lions in a game they could have lost. They beat the bears in a game that they could have lost. They beat the dolphins in a game they could have lost. And so there needs to be something said for that because the other teams around them aren't doing that. The bucks aren't doing that. The Packers, most notably, aren't doing that. And so I don't necessarily think it's sustainable, but I'm just not sure. It may not matter. If they can rack up a couple more of these, then the unsustainability, at least in the regular season, may not matter when we're talking about playoffs or anything like that. But what do you think? Yeah, no, you're 100% right. I mean, you look at – I did this with Tom Shire, our friend over at Zone Coverage, uh, last week, and we just rifled through after that brutal Bears win where we, we said the same thing, like, they can't keep doing this. They're, they're going to lose if they keep doing this. And then they did it again this week and they, they kept winning. We rifled through the, the the schedule and not, you know, not taking into account slip ups because like NFL teams do slip up. But last week we had them at 13 wins based on just like looking at the schedule. And it sounds so ridiculous, but like they're going to be favored in like, what are they five and one now? They're going to be favored in nine games the rest of the way. I, I think right. that's, that's easily attainable you do have to look at the fact that they're not going to be perfect in, in, in one score games, 
But to your point, it, it won't matter. They play the Cardinals next or after their bye. Coming out of a bye, playing a, a team like the Cardinals who are in complete disarray, that should be a win. Then you go travel and you play the Commanders. And unless like the Washington return, like screws with Kirk's brain, that has to be a win. And right. then you're seven and one going into like the, the game against the Buffalo Bills, which will definitely get flexed to primetime, I would say. Like, I think that's when the first true test comes, like, because you go Buffalo and then you come back and you host the Dallas Cowboys. And then you play the Patriots on Thanksgiving in a shortened week. And all of a sudden, the Patriots are three and three and look like pretty formidable. Um, then you play the Jets, who might actually be kind of good. I don't know. They're four and two. Um, and then I won't rifle through the whole schedule, but like the test is coming, but they are going to bank wins here. Um, it, it's just like you said, it's a math problem that the, the teams that they are facing on the schedule are so, so overmatched. Even if the Vikings don't look that good, um, the schedule is set up nicely for the Vikings from the beginning. And it's almost become more favorable as the season has progressed. One thing to note, like they, they might just run away with the NFC North. And, you know, I, I say that they have a two game lead over green Bay right now for all intents and purposes. And they've beaten every team in the division so right. far. We can say three games with the tiebreaker. Um, that obviously changes if, if the Vikings lose to green Bay in the second to last week of the season, but then you go to division record and, and the Vikings are three and zero against the North at this point. The Vikings should, they have three wins against the MC North. They should beat the bears in the final week of the regular season. They should beat the lions again. That was a fun team to cheer for, for like a couple of weeks after hard knocks. And then you realize like maybe Dan Campbell just isn't it. And then you have the Packers who, who, who are like losing to the New York jets. Like the Vikings could run away with the NFC North. And at this point it would not surprise me. I just worry that you look at, and, and we'll do like a, a commissary of, of, of Minnesota sports. Like the Minnesota twins, they were, they were ahead of their skis for, for the, for a large portion of the season. And you're like, I don't know if they're very good. And it turns out they weren't, they weren't very good. Um, they felt they were actually worse than their, their, their division and, and fell off the cliff sooner. Um, but that was kind of a feeling you had with the twins throughout this season. You had it with the Gophers too. When, when they, they start four and oh, they start so hot. They, they, they dominate their non-conference schedule and then they beat a, a Michigan state team that turns out to be not very good. And then you realize when they start to play not bad teams, I would say not good teams. It's like when they're just playing not bad teams, they struggle. So I, that's why I'm so curious from for, for four weeks from now, after the bye, after the Arizona game, after the Washington game, I think the Vikings will be seven and one heading into Buffalo. And then I, I, then we get to see like for real, like, are they good? Um, It's hard to pay too much stock into one game, but as far as I'm concerned, we, we, will we will be able to put stock into that game. Do they look good against a good opponent? If they, they don't need to win the game, but if if they get the, you know, the floor wiped with them, then I can say like, okay, like they're probably going to win the division. I still don't think they have a chance. Right. I think the twins comparison is an apt one because all year you were just kind of looking at that bullpen and you're like that, that thing's papered together. Like, I don't like, there's going to be a crack that comes through and then repeatedly there were cracks and it blew big games uh, in pivotal moments for them. And I think likening that to the Vikings and it goes back to kind of what I was talking about on defense. It, when you watch the team, you just understand that they are just missing some talent in certain spots, particularly in cornerback and particularly in really rushing the passer when they really need to against really good offensive lines on the defensive side of the ball. Like they're just, 
like they're going to be playing Terry McLaurin and Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown and CD lamb in these next couple of games. Like it's not slouches that they're going to be playing on wide receiver. And you know, not every team has a go-to shutdown corner. It would be really nice for this team though, but they don't have that. And on offense, like Justin Jefferson's amazing, but we've seen time and time again, like it's no longer a surprise to me that the offense like only functions with Justin Jefferson. That's just kind of the offense now. Mm -hmm. And so if he gets hurt, or they find a way to bracket him or do something like the Eagles did, then you're relying on Adam Thielen, who is now just kind of becoming a contested catch guy because he isn't creating enough separation to not have those. And KJ Osborne, like, it's just, it's like, when is the talent necessarily going to catch up? And I think the coaching can be one thing that kind of buffers that because I think O'Connell has shown encouraging signs of being able to schematically understand the offense and to put them in good spots and, that big chunk play to Justin Jefferson was one they were scheming for a while. They finally got the look mm -hmm. and they knew they could take advantage of it. Like that was a schematic thing that they were able to take advantage of the defense. Again, the bendo break has been working schematic wise. So that I guess has been a success for them. So maybe they can do some other things to kind of stifle the fact that they may not have the players, but unlike the MLB, there's no big trade deadline where they can bring in a couple pieces. Yeah. Like they, unless they want to go, blow their whole cap and have to probably like drop someone to pick up Brian Burns from the Panthers or do like one of the, these outrageous things like help isn't coming. And so they're going to have to scheme th ways around it. And so the, the be all end all question is just, can they beat the other flawed teams? Because especially in the NFC, pretty much everyone's flawed unless you really like the Eagles. And I guess we'll see how they look tonight against the Cowboys. Um, so I think they can continue to play like this. It's just, it, it just all comes down to, are they just less flawed than these other teams? Cause we know their flaws, but we also have to acknowledge like every other team around them has a lot of flaws and the Vikings have at least been able to cover theirs up mm -hmm. in a much better fashion than most teams. No doubt about it. Paul, final thought player of the game Vikings win 24, 16 against the Miami dolphins. Who was your player of the game today? Can I say Ryan, Wright? Do you want to talk? about I, Ryan? I was hoping you would say Ryan, Wright. <laughs> we haven't talked about Mr. Right yet. I, I, I would have 10 punts. Kevin O'Connell said, man, we got to get him some cold beverages because he should not have been out there that long. I think Matt said, I don't know if he was getting an IV on the sideline or some oxygen, but they had him hooked up to all the machines. That's not what you want for your specialists. And I didn't get to see the glorious, or I saw the glorious 73-yard punt, but the stadium, the press box isn't like US Bank where you kind of can see everything above you. The stands really slope. So I just saw the ball go up in the air, and then I just watched the players just moving back just way further back than you need to expect. Tyreek Hill has to go like back 20 yards. So I didn't get to see it like having this majestic arc, but I saw everyone else reacting to it. And that was a sight to see. So I think, I mean, that was a big moment when Kirk almost gets sacked for a safety and then mm -hmm. they're able to completely flip the field. So it's kind of tongue in cheek that he's an MVP. It might be Harrison Smith actually, but Ryan Wright did some good things and they have a good punter and they have a good specialist unit in hole, which is again, just another thing on the margins that's helping them a little bit. But I think, yeah, it has to be Ryan Wright, right? I I was hoping you would say Ryan Wright because uh, our guy deserves some shine. Yeah, and 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 you'll know. Um, just me and Matt Collar love love <laughs> Matt Daniels. So I know it. I know it. Anytime we can talk about special teams is 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 a good one. Hey, Paul, thanks for stopping by with us. Uh, appreciate you filling in. Uh, that's all we got today. We'll be back Tuesday to to I guess to talk about this bye week and what it all means and kind of belabor certain points. Uh, Paul, thanks again uh, for Dane Mizutani and Paul Hodewanik. We're out. Thanks so much. Goodbye.
2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.